Several years ago, I heard of a young man who had made a statement saying, but the Bible is so legalistic. That grieved me, of course. And I turned to God with that saying and talked to God about it. And God said to me at that time, the world wants to be free to sin. The word leads us to be free from sin. The world wants to be able to do whatever they want to do without penalty. That's just not the way it works. Then God reminded me of Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. The word says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There are many doors leading to destruction. There are many ways that you can go that lead to your destruction. Everything can look fine for a while, but then when the world falls apart and you've gone the way of the world, it falls on you also, even if you do say you're a Christian. Verse 14, because straight is the gate. Straight, I mean, it's narrow, straight and narrow. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew 5, verse 32. Jesus said, The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Have you ever heard that? Matthew 5, 32. The man who marries a divorced woman, commits adultery. They don't teach it in churches that I know of. I've been in and out of churches for, I don't know, 45, 50 years. I've never heard that scripture taught at any church. But it is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 32. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Most people will readily approve a man marrying a divorced woman. Most people in churches will readily approve it. Most ministers will perform the ceremony. Yet that's what Jesus said. Whosoever marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Why isn't it followed today? Well, it wouldn't be popular. There was a time I went to a dinner at Texas Tech when I lived in Lubbock. They had place cards seating us at the tables. I was seated next to a man who was wearing the largest wooden cross I've ever seen. 
It must have been about 9 to 12 inches long. We were seated at round tables, and I suppose about six or eight people were seated at each table. This man began speaking. He said, oh, we have such a problem at the church. Well, then everybody stopped and listened to him. They wanted to hear what the problem was. He said he was former pastor of Indiana Street Baptist Church in Lubbock, Texas. And they had such a problem because they couldn't seat all the people who wanted to come to church. And they'd added on to the church three times, and they still couldn't seat everyone that wanted to come to church. And I said to him and to everyone else, well, if you would tell them the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about half of those people would leave, and you'd have plenty of room to seat the rest of them. His mouth fell open. The other people kind of giggled. And I fled. I was not going to stay at that dinner, even though I'd paid for it, and sit with that man. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, I'll paraphrase, If you divorce a faithful wife, you will be the cause of her committing adultery if she remarries. And the man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. But you don't hear that talk at churches. I'm convinced because it wouldn't be popular. Basically, you hear teaching like, God wants you to be happy. Of course it's fine for you to marry a divorced woman. Of course you can remarry after divorce. God wants you to be happy. That's not what the Bible says. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. Here's what the Bible says. This is a commandment of the Lord concerning divorce and remarriage. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. Paul says, And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. This is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. A divorced woman has two options. She can either remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. She and that man are one flesh. At the time of sexual intercourse, God causes you to be one flesh. A divorce paper does not separate that flesh. You are married until death do you part, whether you know it or not. Another scripture Romans 7, verses 2 and 3. For the woman which hath an husband 
is bound by the law to her husband. And you will say, but we don't go by the law. Well, you are wrong. We go by the law of God. We do not go by the law of the Old Testament. But there are plenty of statements in the New Testament Bible that are laws of God that we observe. So try to get that straight. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law of God to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. You may say, but I didn't know those scriptures. What do I do? I'm married to another man. I divorced my husband. My husband divorced me, and I remarried. I didn't know these scriptures. Well, here's what I've told women in our church group. Tell other women these scriptures. Warn them. Give them a chance to avoid adultery. Confess that you did commit adultery, but you did it in ignorance. Now, if you do it willfully, that's another matter. You're going to really suffer if you disobey Scripture willfully, knowing that it's wrong. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, because if you sin willfully, after you've received the knowledge of the truth. There's no more sacrifice for your sin because you would have to crucify Jesus afresh. If you've done this willfully, Paul said he persecuted the church, he killed the church, but he did it in ignorance. So there's a difference between willful sin and sin of ignorance. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord, only another Christian. Mark chapter 10, Jesus says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. How do they become one flesh? God causes that to happen at the time of sexual intercourse. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul warns the men that even if you have sex with a harlot, you become one flesh with that prostitute. 
So flee fornication. All sins are without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. I've never heard this taught at a church. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Start at verse 15. The Apostle Paul is speaking to men, and he says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. So Paul is telling us sexual intercourse outside of marriage still causes you to be one flesh with that other person. Being one flesh with your legal husband or wife is not ended by divorce. That divorce proceedings from the governments of men does not cause you to be separated from that husband because you are one flesh with that husband until death do you part. Sadly, this is not taught at churches, but it is in the New Testament Bible. Therefore, it is the doctrine of Christ for the New Testament church. The Word of God leads us into a more abundant life. John 10.10, Jesus the Word says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, the Word, am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 14, Jesus the Word says, Let not your heart be troubled. I've told you many things now today that would trouble you, but what I've spoken is the Word of God. So you can take the problem to God if you have this problem. And you can settle the matter with God, hopefully before you get to the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, that judgment seat of Christ is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now back to John 14. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, the Word. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And whether I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I, the word, 
and the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, by the word. The word is everything. Jesus died and went to the cross in order to fulfill the word. That's how much Jesus cared about the word. Jesus was the word before he came to earth as Jesus. He was the word. In the beginning was the word. All things were created by the word. The word was God. John chapter 1. Have you ever wondered why John chapter 1 speaks that way? doesn't speak Jesus. It speaks the word. The word is the key. When you see the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That means the Lord, the word, is my shepherd. I follow it, and because I follow it, there's no lack in my life. He leadeth me beside still waters. The word leads me beside the still waters. The devil and the flesh lead me beside turbulent waters. He restoreth my soul. He, the word, comes to restore my soul when I've done something wrong. Learn that Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus. You can't separate the two. And the word was here before Jesus came to earth in the flesh. And after he was crucified, the word is here. So as we follow the word, that's the way to go in this life. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.